Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. It's an episode of the Continental-themed It's a Family Affair podcast this time, and we're happy to welcome to the show veteran wrestler Pat Rose. Pat not only worked in Southeastern and Continental, but a variety of territories, including my new favorite independent territory, World Organization Wrestling. If you heard me talking to Armstrong Alley on the pod here, or me waxing nostalgic about it on Between the Sheets, you know that I fell in love with this quirky little independent that was based out of Pensacola that ran for a couple years after Continental had pulled out of the area to more concentrate on the Knoxville end of the old Ron Fuller territory. So we're going to talk to Pat about his breaking into the business with Nick Goulas, a lot of the places he worked, including Southeastern and Continental, Georgia Championship Wrestling, when it was the version booked by Bill Dundee that young Jim Cornette broke in at. Uh, you may have also seen that recently show up on YouTube. And then we're going to talk about his time in Southeastern, teaming with his boyhood hero, Mr. Wrestling 2, his tag team with Randy Rose as the Rose Cousins, working in Mid-South against people like former guest Lord Humongous Jeff Van Camp, and then his time in WOW, how it got started, who was in charge, all the constant changing of talent. We're going to talk about a lot of the people that he worked with and against there, including his team, first with Ken Timms as the Natural Blondes, and then the Fabulous Fargos being matched by Dom Fargo, and Ken Timms eventually being replaced by Marcel Pringle. We're also going to talk about his time in Memphis with friend of the show, Dr. Tom Pritchard, how the two got put together, how the angle had an abrupt and unfortunate end, and how they managed to write the team off on television that left Pat, at least in character, forlorn and lovestruck. We also talked to Pat about his fishing show, Set the Hook, that he's been doing for a number of years, and we also about talk about his son's uh, burgeoning country music career. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. While we may talk about Southeastern and Continental on the pod with our guest today, it's actually another promotion under the spotlight, although in the same part of the country. If you've listened to our episodes of the pod with Armstrong Alley, or my recent appearance on Between the Sheets, you know that I fell in love with this little independent promotion in Pensacola called Wor World Organization Wrestling once... Oh, you're laughing already. I haven't even I introduced it, you. Man. Let's go. Once, once uh, Armstrong Alley posted it um, a couple months ago on his channel, um, he posted from around June 1987 until January 1988 on his podcast. So we've got a few months' worth. So I'm very happy to say, you've already heard him, that we've got someone who worked there for a large portion of that time of the stuff that we have footage for. So to hopefully give us some insight on that time in his career at some of the other places he worked and some of the people he worked with and against, as well as the other things that he's got going on for him and his family. I'm very happy to welcome to the show Pat Rose. How are you doing, Pat? 
Hey, I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you for calling and uh, having me on, man. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's funny. I knew that you had worked a lot of places in your career, but it wasn't until I started doing the research that it seemed like you worked just about everywhere. I think in the in the territory era, start you know in the in the 80s and into the 90s. Well, you know, I had one fan make the comment, uh, it, it, w it wasn't a territory unless Pat Rose worked there. So, I bet I take pride in that. I thought that was cool of him to say that. And uh, I had a ball, buddy. I had a ball. Love pro wrestling, man. I really do. Now, from what I saw, and maybe you can correct me, from the list that I saw, the only places I did not find any records of you working were in Portland, and maybe in Florida. Is that did you work there? And we just I don't have. I did not work in Portland for Don Owens. I would have loved to. I talked to Jerry Gray, and he had been there, and we were in Louisiana together. And he said, "Pat, you need to go to Portland. You need to go to Portland." And I just never made it. Yes, I worked in Florida. Uh, Florida Championship Wrestling worked with Kendall and Jeez. Uh, uh, Sean, golly, what was his name? Sean somebody. Sean Royal? Huh? Sean Royal of the New Breed? Sean Royal. Sean Royal. Yeah, worked with Sean Royal and all those guys. And uh, enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun down in Tampa. Okay, uh, you start, before we get to the main reason that I wanted to talk to you, you started, I think, in 1979, is that right, for Nick Goulis in Chattanooga? I did, 1979. Let's go back. I was trained by a gentleman named Ken Hawk, who was the manager of the original Samoans, Teal and Tapu. I don't know if a lot of people realize they were other Samoans than the Samoans now that are great people, man. And they're all great people. People I love, them, love them to death. Yeah. I was trained by Ken Hawk. And uh, got on TV. I, I was two weeks in, and I was on TV. My first match was with Ken Lucas, and I was 19 years old. And I get I do a radio show, Seth Hook with Pat Rose. It's a radio podcast. And we get to go in each month at WDEF TV 12 in Chattanooga, and that's where the wrestling, the studio wrestling was. And it would come on about 3 to 5 in the afternoon. And uh, on a Saturday, and then after that, you went to the auditorium, bought your tickets, and it was a sellout. And that's where I started, man. And I still get to go in there and do Set the Hook with Pat Rose, man. And I, I, I appreciate WDEF TV 12 for having us. We've been doing doing that for about, geez, six years. Been doing our show about 15. Cool. Is that the same? I Speaking of places that you work, I didn't know until I was watching something just this week that you worked for the the Chattanooga offshoot of Georgia Championship Wrestling when Dundee was booking in and Cornette and yeah, yeah. those guys. Was that was that recorded in the same place? Uh, no, no, no. That was that was another uh, TV station that we have here in Chattanooga. Uh, it's Channel 3, I don't know the call letters, but it's Channel 3 over on uh, uh, in Red Bank. And yeah, man, jeez, uh, who, who was there? Bobby Fulton, Tom, uh, uh, Terry Taylor, 
uh, Frank Morale, uh, the bounty hunter Ken Wayne, as uh, when he wore the cat mask. What was he called? He was, there. I think he was called the stray cat. Stray cat. That's right. That's right, man. And uh, that's where they started doing, you know, the angles with me. I had to. I had to. <laughs> And I've seen this used many a times coming out of the shower where you're wet and all that and had to save somebody. So I had to do that, man. And it was fun. I wish it, I wish it would have lasted, but, uh, it didn't. So, yeah, there's just been a couple episodes of that just reappeared on YouTube within the last couple. That's why I said, I didn't realize that you had worked there. Cause I was watching it. Cause I always like watching, seeing that, uh, that really early coronet stuff when you know when he's wearing the sailor <laughs> when he's wearing the sailor hat, but uh, yeah, so because for a while the only footage I recall seeing online was I don't know if it was the whole episode or just a clip of when they did that was the first place he did the cake angle you know he's done that a bunch of times over the years yeah but that was the first time he they I don't know if you may or may not remember this they were having a birthday present or a birthday party for his little dog. So the cake was for his dog, and so it was doing. They were doing the thing where, yeah, um, Bobby Fulton and Terry Taylor, who were the fantastic ones, right, uh, right, came out, and Ken Wayne as the straight cat came out and put his face in the cake, and so like he's done that. He did that in Mid South. He did that in Crockett. Mid South, man, that got over. Yeah, I, we. I was on another podcast earlier this year. Well, last year now. To, to talk about that week because uh, you said since you were there that was such that's like such a great episode of TV because you've got the cake angle or, uh, and then you have that followed up by the thing where Watts slaps Coronet like silly oh, and you know out of his mouth. and then later in the next week's taping you know the the midnight speed of Watts and that starts the whole angle with Watts and and staggerly junkyard dogs so that's like a famous episode of Mid-South TV, so it's really cool that you were there to see it in person. Oh, yeah, man. And you know what? And and I think about this all the time, and I tell uh, young guys if they want to learn how to be a pro wrestler watching Midnight Express. Uh, they didn't. Uh, Dennis and Bobby, that was my favorite team. I love Stan Lane to death. Worked with him a lot, him and Steve Kern. But uh, Dennis and Bobby did not have to look at each other to know what was going on. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Just take, for example, the, the uh, birthday cake thing. They knew when to walk away, and they were on the other side of the ring. What does that do? Give that guy time to come down and, and smish Cornette's, you know, uh, face in the cake, and they just happened to look up, and boom, here they come. They didn't get there in time, right? Perfect timing. Another thing is in the ring – Dennis or Bobby, I don't remember which one, uh, was one of them was outside fussing with a fan and some kind of spot where Bobby, you know, hit Dennis or vice versa and took a bump out on the floor and, and didn't even look at each other. They felt it and then boom, there they go. You know what I mean? It, it, God, it was great. It was great watching those guys. It's, and it's I got a, to travel. I actually got to travel with Dennis and Bobby and, and Jimmy. And uh, Bobby Eaton, man, I love him to death, buddy. I hate we lost him. 
But uh, you're talking about a driver. Me and Cornette would be in the back, and uh, we'd be talking. I don't even know what we'd be talking about. But uh, Bobby would be riding on the – I mean, getting out. And I tell my son Camden, he plays music and stuff, and he asks me questions. And I tell my son Camden, I said, Bobby Eaton, man, one time, you know, the fans, we left when the fans did. So it was packed, right? So here goes Bobby Eaton down freaking uh, wrong side of the road, the whole deal. Same way with Buddy Landell. But we'd get out of there, man, and it it was so fun riding with those guys and just listening to them. And, and I learned a lot from that right there, riding down the road with them. I think I've heard a number of people, especially – Especially Bo James say that Buddy may have been the worst person to to ride with when he was driving of like anybody they've ever worked with in the business. Bo James said what about how bad a driver uh, Budro was? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I rode with Buddy a lot too, and. Um, one of the things I, I noticed when you were in Mid South, I'm not sure if it was one of his first matches. We had um, we had Jeff Van Camp on the show last year, but you had one of the first matches I think with him as Lord Humongous in Mid South. So, uh, how what was that like? Sort of the whole sort of package of him in the Humongous gimmick and having oh to. God. I loved it, man. I loved it. I thought it was cool, and, and Jeff worked it. I mean, he was perfect. He was perfect for the spot. And, and my Lord, you know, I think they, same way with the Road Warriors. When the Road Warriors first come into Georgia, they put, put them with me because I could bump and take care of myself and not get hurt and, and make them look good. And that's what they had me doing for uh, Jeff Van Camp is making him look good, getting him over. And I had no problem with that at all, man. Jeff turned out, golly, what, what, what a legend, you know. Uh, could that gimmick went to WWE? Yeah, yeah, I think it could. Could you imagine uh, uh, The Undertaker versus Lord Humongous? Dang, that might that might have might have made some money. Who knows? You the know? the interesting thing that I found out that he told me was that when he left uh, Continental uh-huh. to go to Mid South. He he could have also maybe gone to Crockett at the same time. Uh-huh. So it's kind of interesting that you know all the success that he had in Mid South. What would have happened yeah, if he yeah, yeah. if he had gone to Crockett at this? I mean, if you sort of look at the gimmick, you sort of figure he probably would have ended up probably with Paul Jones and feuding with Jimmy Valiant because he you know he had the Barbarian and he had Abdullah, so he had like a lot of those monster type guys. So and, you know, and I, as, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think that gimmick that Jeff had should have got a bigger push. You agree? Admit, yeah, admit, yeah. It's I mean, you know, he got to feud with Jake, which is you know a, a, probably a pretty big deal, you know, in in, in Louisiana. Sure, sure. But I mean, but it's funny because you know, I mean, he really he didn't have much longer in the ring then maybe like the end of 85 and the start of 86 and then he was then he was done you know and then you know like a year or so later is when they bring back the gimmick in continental when it's when it's sid yeah you know so it's funny that there's been and, and let me let me say something 
uh, about Sid, and this and this is true with Steve Williams too. And look what they've done in the business. We were in Birmingham setting up in the dressing room, and Sid was debating on whether to quit. He was doing the uh, doing the Lord Humongous gimmick, and and you know, Pat, what should I do? Should I quit? Should I hit it? No, it's not your time. Give it time. It'll happen. It'll happen. Look what happened for him, man. Sid Vicious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Superstar. Everybody knows him. Same way with Dr. Death, man. In uh, Shreveport, we were talking, pal. What do I need to do? Do I need to quit? Do I need to da, 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 da. No, it's not your time. Just let it ride. And look look what happened to Steve, you know? It seemed... Yeah, it I mean, seemed... Good. Yeah, they were... They were they look great and 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 you know it just wasn't their time and when it happened it happened you know it seems like looking over your your run in various places that a lot of times you had early matches with some of these especially sort of these bigger guys who would go on to like a great deal of success i think you worked with with undertaker when he was still early in memphis as master of pain i think well, you know, Bob Cook, uh, the fabulous Bob Cook, the guy with the punch, uh, legendary punch. You know Bob Cook, Yes, right? yes. You know, I'm, I'm building him up. I love him to death. But anyway, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I helped make The Undertaker. Uh, they put me in there when he was, like you said, whoever that was. And, and I knew how to bump for him. I knew how to get them over. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, if you look at the history, you know, look in the territory era, there are certain guys who I think now are recognized as being um, good guy. You know, I guess probably what uh, I think what you would probably call in the business like a carpenter. You know, exactly. a, somebody who knows. If you would have said jobber, I would have jumped through this phone and whooped your ass. No, it's always because uh, it's and that's that's but that's the funny. Even, even let me say this: even in that spot, you had to know what to do, what kind of bump to take, and how to get those guys over. That was my job. That's what I got paid to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, well, it's funny now because that's sort of, you know, the 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 question sort of is, especially for people like on my end discussing it with you, it's like, you know, like what's what's a good way to describe what you, you know, I mean, some people say enhancement talent, some I people, like some people like carpenter. That's what you know. Stan Hansen did an interview, and uh, he actually he actually put us over. Uh, said the business wouldn't be the business without the carpenters. And that's what he meant, you know. I don't know if you've heard that interview, but you need to go back and listen to it. It's really good. I love Stan Hansen to death. I got to wrestle him in the Omni, and uh, my God, man, he gave me the whole match. But when it was time for the Lariat, that Lariat was there. That Lariat was there. Don't let them kid you, man. That sucker, boom. And uh, I went down one, two, three, you know. So. No, you can definitely tell, especially when you watch stuff from from your era. You know, you can tell who the 
good the good carpenters are. And like, who gets put? Who does the promoter or the booker put in that position when they know they need to have somebody put over? Especially, you know, you're in that era when you start getting a lot of the sort of more green like uh, bodybuilding. You know, like you said, you mentioned the Road Warriors. You know, and you've got uh, you know guys like guys like Nikita and Luger and people like that. You know, who needed to be put in the ring earlier in their careers with people like you who knew what they were doing and, you know, how to get the best out of them. Did I lose you? Me and Bobby, your championship rep. Gordon solely liked me. I was a retired cop from Los and Gordon liked me, and I had got a win on national TV. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I don't. I, that don't matter. I got a win on national TV, and as I was walking back to back through the uh, the uh, control room, Ole and Flair was there, and they said, "Pat Rose, come here." So yes, sir. And I was. 21 maybe maybe 22 uh and they asked me they said pat what you do now i said well i got a job i got a new baby the whole deal i said would you like to work full time and that's when uh buzz and tommy was hot last battle of atlanta the whole deal and i got to go to the philippines with them the whole deal but they asked me pat would you like to wrestle full time and i said no I said no, because uh, I had just had a baby, my, my daughter Erica, and I wanted to be home with her. And after that, there was no more pushes for Pat Rose, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, what would have happened if I, I would have said yes? Would I be sitting here in, in, in a status of Tommy Rich, Buzz Sawyer? You know, nobody knows. I don't I don't know, so... I said no. I did what I thought was right. And uh, the reason uh, that I wanted to talk to you about uh, what we're going to talk about is you eventually end up uh, in Continental, Southeastern. Uh, w- did you first go in as with as the Rose Cousins? Is it, was that your first time? No, no, no. I went in as uh, Mr. Wrestling 2's partner. Okay, and they yeah. Call us Mr. Wrestling One and Two. Okay, yeah, I didn't and, know. Uh, yeah, I didn't know which of those came first. So yeah, the Wrestling One and Two came first, and uh, man, I, wrestling with my childhood hero, uh, Mr. Wrestling Two was was just, it's just unexplainable, man. Because you know, I wrestled in high school from the eighth grade till I was a senior. Did pretty good. Wrestled out in Kansas. And those boys are badasses out in Kansas. But anyway, wrestled amateur. And when I would go into the uh, to the field house, we'd crank up that heater, man, and put our sweat bags on, our garbage bags. We didn't have sweat sauna suits back in them days. And uh, I had a pick wrestling, too, on the bottom of my gym bag. And I would turn it over and... Uh, 
show the picture when I was practicing wrestling. And now I had to wrestle off to get my my uh, starting position with five dudes, and I would beat every one of them. I don't know if that picture had something to do with it or not, but man, it was fun. And yeah, wrestling too. He was great. He was great to ride with the whole deal. And like I said, it was my childhood hero, and I learned a lot. Yeah, there's. I think there's there's not a lot of that footage left, but I do know there are there's some. I think of. I think you guys were feuding with the Rat. Come here. I think you guys were feuding with the Rat Patrol at that point. Yeah, we was. We was feuding with the Rat Patrol, and we. Uh, we uh, we did an angle where Tonga Kid was uh, going to New York. He was going to WWF. What was it at the time? WWF? Yeah. He was going to WWF at the time, and we did an angle to where we hurt his shoulder. Two men, two did. And then two was going to WWF. So they had to do something, so they let him unmask me. Hey, that's Pat Rose. That's where I'm Atlanta, Pat Rose. Da, 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 da. And put me and Randy together. And, man, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Randy could talk. I was I was like Bobby Eaton. I couldn't talk. Uh, it, my stuff didn't make sense. But I could wrestle. And uh, they put us together. Me and Randy put the belts on us, the whole deal, and, and working with the Rat Patrol, man. And it was fun. It was a blast. So I this is something I think I was I forgot to ask earlier and I was going to ask about Randy but so you were already how long had you been Pat Rose I I wasn't oh. sure if you if like you became Pat Rose when you were brought in to team with Randy or if you had already been Pat Rose No I was already Pat Rose and I tell you why Nick Gulas I started out I wrestled probably a couple matches as Pat Smith that's my real name Pat Smith and I started out a couple matches with that, and, and Nick come up to me, and I was, what, 19-year-old punk kid, and I, he said, hey, man, or he didn't say, hey, man, he said, hey, Pat, no, your name is Pat Rose, you don't look like a Smith. I said, yes, sir, and then from then on, from about 79 to now, I'm Pat Rose, so it come from Nick Goulas. Okay, um... So let's let's get to the to the main event here. Um, like you said, you had worked in Continental uh, Southeastern before, and then we come to 1987, and this promotion, which <laughs> I believe which I believe was was backed by Mr. Ito. It sure was. Good job, buddy. And uh, I guess was it. Was Rip Tyler the booker, or was he just sort of the on-screen booker? No, he, he was the man. Uh, he went, uh, when he needed money, he'd go to Ito, and, and Ito would go to the Japanese people, and uh, it was well-funded. Uh, I got paid good there. I mean, uh, looking at the TV, you couldn't tell it, but it was good money. And, uh, yeah, man, uh Rip was the man. I love Rip Tyler. He uh, he took good care of me, man. He he took good care of me. Yeah, one of the things that one of the reasons I sort of fell in love with Wow was sort of how sort of ho- like folksy it was. 
like Rip had, I don't know if, if you remember this, but like Rip had an interview segment that was called Rip's Corner. That was yeah. that looked it was like it on the set of a house, but it was like just a backdrop and it had a painted on window. And they're like they just did it while these were while you got were sitting on a bench. So it's just it's it's very cute if you know what, like you know what I mean. Especially compared to you know how things were starting to get bigger and glitzier. That I think it has a like a wonderful charm to it. Yeah, man. Yeah, like old school. You know what I mean. And it's funny that you were there. I think at least two, like in two different spells. Um, you were there in the for what we have on tape at least. So I don't know how how far into the promotion this was. In the beginning, you were sort of part of a heel stable with Bruiser Bob Sweetan, and you were feuding with the very young and mustachioed Bob Holly. <laughs> yeah, man. We were, what was we called? I don't even remember. But we wore those stupid-looking bandanas, black and gold. Uh, I don't know what that was. But after that, here's the main event kicker on it. After that, I got to tag with Ken Tim. Yeah, I I was going to get to that, yeah. And our manager, Don Fargo. So we were the new fabulous Fargos. Well, one of the questions I had about that was, you had teamed with Ken Timms in Kansas City. Uh, I don't know if it was earlier that year or before. So you had teamed with him before you guys came back to WOW. And in the very first week, and this might be the clip that we use in the pod, uh, the first week you guys came in and you were now both blonde and you were called the Fabulous Blondes. And then, like a week or two later, suddenly you're with Don Fargo, and now you're the new you're now the new Fargos. Now I don't think we did. Did we do the Fabulous Blondes at WOW? At least the first week that you guys come in, because really, this is funny. I didn't know that. I'll, I'll send you this clip. You come in okay. and you've got you've got a T-shirt that has the name of some hair salon. And you give them a plug because they're the ones that did your hair. Like, the, you know, like, you're like, first I want to, like, I want to give a shout out to, like, like, Stacy's Barbershop for making us look as good as we do. And you hold up the shirt that has, like, their phone number on it. Oh, cool. So, so that's like the first, so it's funny. And then suddenly you're now with, you, then you're with Don, Don Fargo. And then a yeah. couple, and then a couple weeks later, I don't know if you remember this. Like Nick Goulas was there in the studio because they were yeah. he was I guess he was going to start promoting maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was actually a couple years into WOW. Okay. And we it was on and you would love this. It was on Border Street. It was the Border Street Arena. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, yeah, man. It was the Border Street Arena, hottest building. And I love being hot and sweat back then. But it was the Border Street Arena, and they did TV each week right there and and sent it out to the affiliates. There's, um, yeah, it's funny because um, one of the other funny things about WOW, at least from what we have, is in the eight months that we have, there's like, at least three or four different sets of announcers. There was there was there was uh, a couple of different guys in the beginning 
whose name escapes me at the moment. And then C.J. Whitmore. Yes, yes, C.J. Whitmore and Papa Rock. Papa Rock. And I then love Papa Rock, man, you'd love that guy. He was so sweet. And then about five or six months into it, suddenly Burt Prentice is hosting the Burt show. Burt Prentice, yeah, yeah. As as Christopher Love. And then he's there for maybe like a month or six weeks, and then Rick Stewart was there. Yeah, yeah. Love Rick Stewart, man. He was from Southeastern. And then he's gone, and then Rip has to host the show for a couple of weeks, and he's talking about how he doesn't like doing this, and he's not very – so it's really funny how sort of de- how self-deprecating he is about how bad he is as an announcer. But that's <laughs> that's like where the footage we stop. So it's funny that – and uh, when I was on this show a couple weeks ago, we were going through like the list of all of these people that went through this little independent promotion. Oh, a bunch of them, man! But it's like, like you, um, Samu and Kokina were there a couple of different times. Oh you know, my god! Before it became Yokozuna, Adrian was there a couple times. Like I love Kokina, man. He, we, uh, I had a big old. Bonneville. You remember of Bonneville? Yeah. Big old car, right? So I would always, you know, drive Coquina to uh, Greenville, Mississippi, and, and he would take care of me, man. I, I'd, get, I'd get off the chain over there. But he would take care of me, and I love Coquina to death. And he could wrestle, and I've wrestled him, and he could, at, at that time, he could move like a, like a hundred pound guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was, God, he was good for a big man. He was good. And I don't say that as in good for a big man. He was a good wrestler. Definitely. Well, I mean, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to really find a bad guy in, in any of that family. I mean, they're all oh, they're all they're really all talented. Great. Yeah, they're all great. They're, they're the freaking Samoans, man. They're the Samoans. And uh, like we said, Adrian Street was there for a while. Ken Wayne was there for a while. Um, and then eventually, another person who was there most of the the whole time is eventually you stop teaming with Ken and you start teaming with Marcel Pringle. <laughs> I still talk to Marcel today, man. And Marcel always worked a job. He was uh, a welder or something in some company over in Mobile. So I tried to get him. I said, Marcel, come on, man. Quit your job. Come on. I'm glad he didn't. But I said, quit your job. Come on the road with us. I said, come on. And uh, I'm glad he didn't. And he's retired. He's doing good. He's down there in Dog River, Alabama, right outside Mobile on Granny Pringle's property. And, uh, man, I love Marcel Pringle. He would do. Uh, this is so funny. He would do a, do a spot, and then he'd get up and just take off running and hit the turnbuckle front first and take a big bump back. Oh, my God, that was so funny, and he made me laugh all the time. I love Marcel Pringle. And let me say this before we, before we lose the uh, Fargo thing. When I tagged with Ken Timms, do you know his wife, Juanita? No. Juanita made all his gear, and she made gear for us, and she made us look freaking fantastic. 
So I got to give a shout out, and I always do this to Juanita, Ken Tim's wife, for making us look so dead gum hot. I know, I know, I think I at least one match. I think you guys have pink tights, pink trunks. Yeah. And then yeah. a bunch of, I mean, it's 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 the late 80s, so, you know, everybody's got this, a lot of people have that really flashy color stuff, since that's really when people started, you know, getting a little more experimental with their ring outfits. Right. That's when spandex hit, man. We was freaking out. Because you were there, too, at the same time as uh, Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka's Bad Company. Oh. And they exactly. had those they had those crazy outfits. I don't know if they had them there, but they certainly had them later. You know the pants that had like the holes cut out with the with the mesh in them. The same all co- kind of stripe stuff. Yeah, like the like the kind. Yeah, of, yeah, I guess yeah. you know that I guess Brutus sort of made it made it famous. You know the pants with the with the holes and the nylon stuff. Yeah, our stuff had the cutouts with a fishnet with hearts. Oh yeah, we were badass. And uh, somebody else, yeah, somebody else who was there. I think you rest, you worked against in Kansas City and in Wow were the Batten Twins. Love the Batten Twins, man. Billy and Bobby Batten. I know that's not their name, but I, I, I always called them that. Love the Batten Twins. And you know, when I was in Kansas City, and I got to bring this up because it's baby doll. When I was in Kansas City. Uh, Sam Houston was there, and Baby Doll was there, and Baby Doll would always ride with me. Yeah, that's right. I got to ride with Baby Doll, and I just tell her all the time I love her to death, man. I still talk to her every now and then. Had her on the show a couple times, but Baby Doll was just so she was just beautiful. She was a beautiful woman. And then um, I guess uh, we don't want to forget this part since I know he may listen, and I know. He's supposed to be on the show eventually. But talk to us about being in the Heavenly Bodies with Dr. Tom and Sherry Martell. Oh, my Lord. That could have went somewhere. That could have went somewhere. Uh, Tom got hurt. We were working with uh, Steve uh, Steve Kern, Stan Lane, the fabulous ones, and, uh, man, made good money with them. And, uh, man... Us together was good. We were good. We were good. And that could have went somewhere. That could have been WWE material there, I think. I don't know how Tom feels about it, but I think it could have been. Um, But uh, he's great. He's a great wrestler. And Sherry Martell, I love that woman. Uh, She would, God, she would get so much heat on us screaming with that voice and I just don't know what to say, man. I wish, I wish we could have had a chance, uh, with that team. I wish we could have had a chance and I appreciate Jerry, Jared and uh, Lawler and Dundee and all them for, for putting us together. Dundee put us together, brought us out of, uh, out of Louisiana and, uh, Man, the rest is history on that. But I really enjoyed tagging with uh, Tom Pritchard, and 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 I don't know if Tom's done it all. Tom's done it all, and I'm proud of him and and love him to death. And you were also going to do something in Memphis with the Armstrongs, because you did that angle where you 
you supposedly beat up Bob. Yeah, man. Did you see that interview? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Uh, we hung Bob, me and Tom hung Bob in Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, that hurt his neck. We hurt his neck bad, man. It, I mean, got a couple of vertebrae uh, out of alignment and stuff, and, and he was he was, he was was gone. Uh, and then here come them snot-nosed little punk kids, Scott and Steve Armstrong, and, uh, man, they gave us they gave us some good matches. They almost uh, almost beat us a couple times, but they gave us some good matches. And how long did you stay in Memphis uh, once Tom got hurt? Because I know you, this is another thing we may we may put this clip in the pod. You did this interview on Memphis TV where uh, the, the 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 gist of the angle was that Tom had gone home. To Houston for Christmas, <laughs> I and about that. and and Sherry apparently had left, left you and and went back with him. And you know, left to, a note on my pillow. Yes. Did you see that? Interview? Yes. Yeah, that's on YouTube. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, what happened was me and Sherry was living with each other. You know this bullshit, right? Hmm. Me and Sherry was living with each other, and uh, I had to go to uh, Memphis TV, and I woke up, and there was a uh, there was a note on the pillow where Sherry used to lay her head, right? And it said, "Hey Pat, you know, da 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 da, da going back to collect my thoughts, going back to Texas, and uh, seems like it was Houston, and." Uh, just so happens I start thinking, well, Tom's going home too, and he's from Houston. Wonder what, wonder what's going on there. So that started getting my mind thinking, and uh, yeah, I don't know if it happened or not, but I was thinking it. Did that sound good? Yeah. Mark. So, yeah, I'm I'm here. Oh, okay, okay. No, it was anyway, just yeah, yeah. That was that was the angle, man. It was it was pretty cool. And then uh, from the stuff that I've got, I'm sure the last major stuff that I have on your record was from '94, when you did some work for WCW and then you worked for Smoky Mountain. Was that about the time that you like sort of I was, as a full timer? I was on my way out then. I was on my way out. I I, I was. I had the sense, and, and a lot of guys, and how do I say this? A lot of guys don't know when is when. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. When it's over, it's over. Jody Hamilton took good care of me on my days out when I was working for WCW, worked for them for years. And uh, 94, April 94 was my last match with uh, a guy that used to go. It's Terry Gordy's cousin, Richard. Slinker? Hey, Slinger. Yeah, Slinker. You ever heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my God, he was great. We had a good match. And that was my last match. And uh, I knew it was coming to an end. So in 93... I started working for a company, Mohawk Industries, a Fortune 500 company down in Dalton, Georgia. And I worked for them for 20 years. And 
uh, supervision, uh, run the company, or not the company, but the uh, department, the whole deal. And, um, yeah, I, I was out in 94. That was my my last match. Were you reasonable? Damn, how long has that been? 94? Almost 30 years. Yeah. yeah, almost. Were you relatively healthy at that point? or was Yeah, there... I'm healthy now, man. I'm healthy as a horse. Still working. So it's at least good that you retired on your terms rather than having some sort of horrible... You know, yeah. like you're, you're yeah, man. You were reti- yeah. as they would say, you retired without filling out your bump card. <laughs> Good one, man. Good one. And and let me tell you what's kept me alive and kept me young and uh, and uh, and the whole deal. I had a son at forty years old uh, named Camden. I love him to death. He is my life. And. Uh, the whole deal and he plays music and he's playing shows all over the southeast and and starting to to move into nashville a little bit and uh peachtree entertainment's looking at him the whole deal so we go to shows all the time and we're on the road and we have so much fun just talking and he'll start questioning me about wrestling man and here we go we have a blast. But my son, Camden, I, I love him. He's 17. He's a senior at Day County High School this year. And uh, I can't wait till graduation. With with his mind and my mind, there ain't no telling what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, uh, yeah, but my son, Camden's kept me, kept me going and kept me alive and kept, you know, kept me going. You you mentioned that already, but I was going to ask, how did you start doing the fishing show? Well, you know what? I was uh, I was going to church with this guy named Evan Stone that owned a radio station here in Trenton, Georgia, where I live. And he said, hey, Pat, why don't you do a fishing show? Because I was into fishing. I was fishing tournaments, the whole deal. And I said, okay. So they had me in to do a segment. It was a 10-minute segment just to see, you know, how I would do. And I did good. I had uh, a lot of information on fishing that I wanted to talk about. And uh, they went to me, and like I said, it was a 10-minute segment. And about five minutes in, I had done blown all my material I had. So I was like, what the heck? So we started doing Set the Hook with Pat Rose in 08. Is that 15 years? I think it is. Oh, eight. Yeah. And I figured out that if I have two guests on the show, I could ask probably six, seven questions, and that would be two segments. Oh, that's easy. They didn't want to hear me talk, and I didn't realize that. You know what I mean? They wanted me to get information out of them, and I finally figured that out. And I said, ah, oh, cool. Now, let me tell you who I was getting on the show. Roland Martin, Hank Parker, Bill Dance, uh, Jimmy Houston, Kevin Van Dam, Gerald Swindle, uh, Wesley Schrader, all the who's who of professional bass fishing. So I'm in this little bitty, well, it's a 50,000-watt deal, but I'm I'm in this station here in Trenton, local station. I said, man, I need to take this to uh, Chattanooga. 
So I got on WPLZ. WPLZ, 25,000 watts, just covered everywhere. And it blew up. We were doing it, how many times? Bi-weekly. So, or, is bi-weekly two two times a month? Yeah, it's twice a month, yeah. Twice a month, okay. We was doing it bi-weekly, and uh, it was getting over. So we went to ESPN. They moved us to ESPN Chattanooga. And, uh... Number one freaking radio show on their station. We were number one. Got pictures to prove it, the whole deal, baby. And uh, man, it just it just flared out from there, and we just kept going with it, and and finally making a little money. And if anybody'd like to advertise on Setoka Pat Rose, we got some good deals. And how we can do those deals? I own the show. I can charge you what I want to charge you. And I normally take care of local businesses. Uh, Don't charge them an arm and a leg because they're doing the same thing I'm doing, just trying to make a living. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's great. So, Mark, when you want to advertise, you get with me, son, okay? I will. I will. You'll be the first first person I call when I start advertising. That's for sure. But, Pat, I want to thank you very much for taking some time today to do the show. Like I said, I... Like, I honestly did not even know that WoW existed until earlier this year. It wasn't It wasn't until we were doing the other show that I found out that, like, I believe it got, a, like, a one-time mention in the Observer, and that wasn't until, like, six months after the promotion had even been started, which I didn't even remember. So it was like it was nothing I had ever heard of. It's like, as you know, especially once the territory started dying that all of these startups, you know, took place. I think you worked you worked uh for a couple of these guys that sort of tried to fill the void once all the territories went away. Like yeah. I, I think uh I think you worked for Five Star in Louisiana, which was uh one of, like like you said, there's a long list um like I said, if you people can go to Armstrong's Alley YouTube and look at all of this independent stuff that he would put up and some of it you know, some of it you can tell they did not have the world's greatest budget in the world. But uh, well, let, me, let me ask you this. Okay. Is my name on Armstrong Avenue? Um, I don't know about your name per se. Oh, like, okay. Like it may be listed in like the match listings. Yeah, cool. You know, like I, I said, got I, to see. I got to see Scott at the uh, wrestlers reunion down here uh, in Rome, Georgia, and uh, man, it was like we just we, we we just didn't lose a lick. We just started talking, man. And and I gotta say, losing Bob Armstrong was hard on everybody. Uh, everybody loved Bob Armstrong. He was like a dad to all of us. And I love the Armstrong family from uh, Steve and uh, and uh, what's BG's real name? Brian. Brian. I met him when he was about to go into the Marine Corps. And man, thank you for all, for all you've done for our country, Brian. And uh, and uh, Scott and all the Armstrongs. Miss Armstrong Gale, I love her to death. She was what a family. Just. God, you can't say enough about the Armstrong family, man. You know and, what I'm saying? Yeah, I had... It's funny. We had scheduled 
to have Ron on the podcast when he wrote his book a couple years ago. Right. And it just so happened that it was scheduled the week, like the week after Bob passed away. So we had to reschedule. And then he was like, hey, can we do this a different, can we move this up a couple days? Because, like, I'm on my way to go to Bob's funeral. So I just, you know, I, just by the stroke of luck, I had scheduled to be talking to Ron anyway. So, like, I got to have Ron on the podcast talking about Bob. And, you know, since they were such, you know, friends forever, like, that was really cool to get to hear him, of all people, talk about Bob on the show. Man, and a cool thing I got to do, I was at work one night, and uh, Charlie Platt called me and he said, Pat, do me a favor, put together a little video of uh, you talking about Bob Armstrong, because they were doing a a uh, a tribute, not a tribute, but he was still alive at the time, but just saying good things about Bob Armstrong, and I got to do that, and I couldn't. I couldn't talk for crying. He was he was that in, influential, if that's a word, if it's not used in any way. He was that influential with everybody. You know, and I and I finally got through it and got to say, you know, I love you, Bob. I would th- thank you, Bob, and the whole deal. Let me go back to Mr. Wrestling, too. We were playing, or Camden was playing a show in uh, in Rome, Georgia, at the Brew House. Was it the Brew House at the time, son? And uh, he was playing a, a show, and I got a call from uh, from John's, John's son, John Jr., I guess. And uh, he said, hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you, da 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 he said, uh, Dad wants to talk to you. Uh, and it, <sighs> he got on the phone, and he couldn't talk for crying. I couldn't talk for crying. And then Camden got on the phone and saved the whole deal. And two weeks later, he passed away. And uh, golly, that, that was... That was a hard phone call because I love Johnny Walker. When I say he was my childhood hero, he was my childhood hero. He was my childhood hero. I loved him. And so it's great that you got to, to team with him. I know, man. I know it was such an honor. Such an honor. Well, Pat, I want to thank you once again. Um so can people does uh is your show have a podcast or is it on the internet where they can listen to it? Anchor.fm forward slash set the hook with Pat Rose. All the the uh, episodes are on there. It's episodic. I love Jeff. Uh, that reminds me of Jeff Jarek. Everything's episodic. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's on Anchor.fm forward slash set the hook with Pat Rose. We don't do the website anymore. And we're getting ready to go live on uh, YouTube and Facebook uh, with the show. And it'll show what goes on, you know, during commercials and, and, and the whole deal. So it'll be a lot of fun. And we cover pro bass fishing, uh, major league fishing, Bassmaster, 
the whole deal. Plus, hey, it's my show, so we we cover music because my son plays music, and we're gonna cover music. And what else do we cover, son? Uh, wrestling. We cover wrestling. Yeah. So you know, and I've been trying to get Steve Austin on for shoot two years. I got his number. He won't pick up anymore. <laughs> so, Steve Austin, if you're out there, man, let's do a dead gum podcast, buddy. Did you? And I let me you... let me say this before we uh, before we get off here, man. If, if you couldn't tell, I've had fun today, and thank you for doing your research and knowing what the heck you're talking about, man. That makes it fun. That makes it fun. You did a great job. I appreciate that, and you know, I'd love to have you back on again sometime. I'm sure there's, sure. I'm sure you've got plenty more stories that we can talk about. Sure, that'd be fun, man. No problem at all. Uh, that's great, Pat. Uh, thanks again for doing the show, and we will talk to everybody next time. <laughs>